What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Call Us Recruits. Like always, I'm your host, Adam. Joined along here with Liam and Ben. The countdown's still on, boys. We got four days to the NFL draft, so we have another kind of NFL draft episode planned. So without further ado, how are you boys doing today? Pumped about the draft. Yeah, he, he, you, said, you said it best. Pumped about the draft. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, last night was big UFC fight night. Uh, went over to my buddy Mitchell's house, and, and, we, and we watched a couple of fights. Holy shit, was it ever a good night? What I can't. Um, but I'm definitely feeling the consequences this morning. So, you know, <laughs> um, you know, doing all right right now. Excited to excited with the drafts. I talked a couple uh sports talk with you guys, and uh, yeah, boyas, how, how are you doing? No one ever asked you how you're doing, boyas. You tell us. I'm doing fantastic. My last week of works, uh, come up to draft week, so excited to be done the co op term and uh, not really excited to get back in school, but. Now, I'm doing great. Can't complain. Because um, I can do during a pandemic. But yeah, UFC was a good time last night. Made some money, so can't be upset with that. Big Rose put 20 bucks in Rose winning, so double my money there. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good night of fight before getting the NFL draft talk. I'm still a little sick to my stomach from that Chris Weidman injury. It's probably the most sick thing I've ever seen on live television since the Kevin Ware basketball injury. But uh, how are you boys? You like the fights last night, B-Mark? Usman is a freak, man. He just... Yeah. KO'd Masvidal. Um, that injury was, uh, as you said, disgusting. Though, like, like never, never seen anything like that. Like, I don't know how you kick someone so hard that your leg just snaps. Yeah. Like clean through. That's so. Oh, and then like watching him fall back on it too is just. I don't even oh. want to think about it. Man, the crazy thing is, that's the second time it's happened when he's been in the ring. It's Anderson Silva that he's broke his leg the same way with Weidman in the ring. Like, he kicked Weidman's leg, and Anderson Silva broke his leg. So, it's the second time this happened to Weidman in the ring. One to himself, one to his opponent. Came around full circle last night. Absolutely yeah. fucking wild. Yeah. But, um, man, yeah, Usman's a beast. Man. I don't think he's ever losing at the weight class. Like, the way he, the way he struck last night with Masvidal was pretty, pretty insane. Yeah, that that's a conversation. That'll be another conversation for a different day. But just w- w- one one last thing on the subject: that rose kick. Uh, like I I brought it up to my boy my uh, my buddies afterwards, asking them, is that the best kick you've ever seen? And you know, Mitch was like, it's not necessarily the best kick I've ever seen because I've seen more technical and kicks with more power. But one with just so much significance. It was a fucking beautiful drops right now. She's the champion uh, yeah. for the second time. And you see, you see that little smile at the end, yeah. man. How do you not root for Rose? You just want to like give her a hug or something like that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like that knockout and follow up with the Usman, like probably the two cleanest knockouts I've seen in a bit. Like those are cl- like the Usman knockout was so clean. Like if you saw like up close, like I don't know if that was a spit, if that was vastly so- like something sprayed everywhere. It was it was clean. <laughs> Jesus fuck! What a fight night, man! What a fight night! Uh, couldn't ask for anything better. But yes. now let's get on to some uh, some football. Yeah, so uh, before we get into it, I'll just kind of list off our agenda. So we're going to be talking about uh, the pro days, some risers and fallers we have in the upcoming draft on Thursday. We're going to revisit the NFL draft a year ago, talk about some surprises, some busts we think, some letdowns. And then we're going to get into a draft talk. We're going to finish up our draft talk with a safeties and defensive tackle position. So without further ado, the pro days are a big part, especially with no combine this year. Pro days are a big part for people who didn't play to rise or draft stock or even fall. 
So I'm going to start off with one riser. It's my favorite prospect in the draft. Willie probably knows who it is. It's Jameen Davis. I fell in love with Jameen Davis, the prospect, over the last few weeks. He put up insane numbers at his pro day. Solidified himself as a top 20 prospect on my board. He, and I'll just lift up his numbers. A 4-3-7-40, fastest among linebackers, high with Michael Parsons. A 42-inch vertical jump, an 11-inch broad jump. So he's a physical freak. He had a good season this year, and his pro day just boosted his status for me. He's, he's probably the biggest riser out of everyone, I, I would think. Um, there's a lot of guys who put up some crazy numbers. They have pro days, so maybe don't trust them as much as, as the combine. But he rose off draft boards from potential like third-round pick to now probably going to go in the first round. Yeah, he's you, you kind of saw it with a lot of some of the bigger guys. Um, they ran really low. Yeah. this past year so you gotta keep that into account but in, in totality fucking davis was a huge riser he's an absolute physical freak and he's an intelligent football player on the field so uh when i personally watched this film i didn't see uh an ex- insane explosiveness um as you know some people did uh but he he's putting up these numbers and he, he must have something he must be doing something right so Jameen Davis is a guy, I don't know, he, he scares me a little bit, but I think, like, some people have him in their top 10, which I, I don't understand. Um, but somewhere in the from 25 to 30, I'd yeah, be really, really comfortable drafting him. In. A late first round pick, I think he'll probably go. VMAC, who's a, who's a riser follower for you? Um, well, you know my, my boy Rashad Bateman. Uh, he had a pretty good pro day. Not really a riser or a faller, kind of just solidified his status. Um, but a riser, I have Jason Owe. We knew he was going to be a freak, but we didn't know how much. Like, he ran a 4.39 at 200, almost 260 pounds. So that's kind of like Jameen Davis, just absolute freak of nature. Um, it kind of solidified his status as possibly the first edge rusher taken off the board. We'll see. He's going to go anywhere from like first to fifth edge rusher off the board. Yeah, I think the thing about Jason Oway was huge for him because people are kind of doubting him this year because his like stock production at Penn State, people are kind of like doubting him. But then he went out and put these insane numbers, show he's an athletic freak. They meet impact from the run game. So this pro day was huge for him because people are doubting his pass rushing skills. But when you put up this much athleticism, you get a good coach. He's going to be coached up really well and I think he can do big things in this league. Yeah, I kind of agree more with with what you guys said. He he's a guy who I who I didn't know about until around two months ago when I first went through my, my process. And he's a guy who after he put up those numbers, I went back and watched his film and he just shot up my personal draft board. So he kind of the same thing for everyone. Um absolutely I, I, I would love to see him with um a defensive coordinator that can or defensive line coach that can really just, you know have him learn and and he comes in and he's able to use all those tools at the next level because he has the ability to be a fucking beast. Um I have a I have a faller from yeah. the, the, Go ahead. uh so my guy Rashad Weaver uh out of pit he's a kid who got injured at his pro day and he's fallen off when I would have him in first late first round talks early second round talks um, you know, if you were able to to complete his uh, 40 and have a real big uh, pro day, he's an absolute beast. When I watched this film, I was very impressed with him. He's a smart player. 
Um, but right now he's getting third round to fourth round grades. And I don't understand why that doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I'll list up another follower for me. Uh, I have a couple other risers, but get into that later. I got Amon Ross St. Brown, wires here at USC. He's a guy. <laughs> he's a guy that fell off like rankings here this year because the riser receivers didn't play well this year. Had a good jun- uh, junior, uh, sophomore year, sorry, at USC. But and then his forty time wasn't too impressive. A four six six. He's a good route runner. But I think his draft stock just hurt because he didn't have that top end speed. Like a four to six isn't great, num- not good numbers at all for a receiver. He's a good route runner, but I don't see him. I, th- I see him dropping around the third round. What at the start of the year, he was a first, second round grade. Yeah, I, I actually still like, like he has a follower, of course, so with those numbers, but I still like him, um, especially in terms of like the value you're going to get now that he is fallen. Yeah. Um, but four, six, six obviously yeah. isn't ideal. Yeah, wide receiver, especially a player like that, it, it's always tricky from an evaluator's perspective because, like, um, you look at someone like Equinamia St. Brown from on, on the Packers or, or his brother. That that's his brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck. Um, and and, and, you, and you look at some of these later round uh, flyer wide receivers, and a lot of times they don't hit. So if you're really not showing anything uh, exceptional at the pro day, um. I understand why scouts would feel concerned that your production might not be at the same level at the next level. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I didn't watch him too, too much. Um, what's your evaluation on St. Brown? He's a good route runner, like very, very good route runner, but like that top end speed is going to struggle at the, the next level. Uh, I think he can be a good, like two, three receiver, good slot receiver the next level, but I don't know if dropping a slot receiver who's going to be your second or third receiver is worth it early rounds. But, yeah, good route runner. He's got good hands. Just that top-end speed, something scouts are going to be wary of, in my opinion. There's still lots of receivers in the NFL yeah. that ran slow 40s. So, like, you look yeah. at Jarvis Landry. You look at Cooper Cup. They've been really successful. Um, the slot guys, after both running, like, like Cooper Cup might have been in the 4.6s, but I know Jarvis was, like, 4.7. Yeah, well, he's... Well, both those guys are... Are two amazing route one runners. That, that's and, one of and, the but the weird thing is they're both good after the catch too, yeah. and they ran terrible forties. So it kind yeah. of speaks to play speed versus forty time, right? Yeah, very true. I think I think that's like a slot receiver. Like they went second, couple in the third round, learned you in the second round. So I think that's somewhere where Saint Brown will go. I think just fall off my job court because the start of the year people are projecting to be like a first round talent. Well, do you guys know what Terrence Marshall ran for his forty time? Uh, four three nine, I believe. Four three eight. Jeez. Jeez. He is. He's a. He's a freak, man. He's a freak. And LSU receivers. He, man. He's a riser in my board. If if we're we're talking about rises fallers right now, like he he just solidified. Like he's a freak. Yeah, because why he can be almost five... six five and and run a four, just just under a four four. Yeah, that's yeah. He's very very special because he's so good one on one very good a high point of the football such a good contested catch receiver so if you put up the, those numbers in a pro day he's gonna be a scary pick he'd be very very good in this league another uh wide receiver faller if we want to go to that yeah, yeah let's, let's hear it two two at well yeah um the, the big thing about him is he weighed in at uh 155 pounds uh, we, we talk about Devonta Smith, who weighs 166, being small. Um, 
two two can't you can't play in the NFL at one fifty five. Like it's ridiculous. Um, like completely like you you put like Jalen Ramsey on him and he's not moving. Jalen Ramsey's gonna <laughs> toy with him and push him on his ass. Not that he'd be good enough to get Jalen Ramsey in coverage, but. <laughs> what what cor- shirt. Cor- shirt corners you're chirping them. Corners of the NFL are just going to body him, especially when he doesn't have that special release package and running that Devonta Smith has. Um, it was also reported that he might run a four-two and forty, and he ended up running a four-four-two. Um, so, so that didn't really. If he had ran a four-two, maybe he would. Uh, even move up draft boards, but since he didn't uh, at 155, that's that's not going to work in the NFL. Okay, philosophical question for you guys. How bad does a player have to do at his draft combine for him to be a significant follower for you? For example, the best example I can think of is Orlando Brown Jr., who was just traded by the Baltimore Ravens a couple of days ago. Um, he was a huge faller because of his draft day. I, I hated him. I personally, I thought he was fat. I thought he couldn't move very well. He's man. <laughs> unathletic. But he proved me the heck wrong. Like, he's an absolute beast at the next level. How poor does, does a player have to perform um, at, his, at his pro day for you to, to say, okay, he's off my draft board and I'm just not going to drop? I don't know. I, I say go ahead, Mac. It's a case-by-case basis, though, right? Because it depends – on if you're worried going in that he's going to be a really poor, poor athlete, if that shows up on tape a lot. Um, but, but if you look at the tape and it looks like he has ways to avoid that, then um, maybe that's not as big of a concern. That was kind of uh, one of the things that we saw with Brown is like, he's huge. So of course he's not going to run good forties, but he's still like moved slightly. Okay. And like, he didn't that those problems didn't really show up on tape as much um so yeah yeah i mean it's tough because you look at a good example of this is dk metcalf who destroyed the combine and he fell to pick 60 or whatever it was uh, a couple of years ago so bad, I don't bad know. shuttle that <laughs> shuttle they didn't, no people did not like dk's yeah. shuttle they thought he yeah. couldn't move laterally but i mean he put up whatever like 1300 yards last year so yeah i think people just it's yeah, case by case basis. It shows up in tape, like Dmax said, something to be concerned about. But people just have contest poorly, but it doesn't show up in tape. So I think you got to take a like, grain of salt if they put up bad pro numbers, but it doesn't affect them at the college level on tape. Like, like Devonta Smith, his size concerns don't necessarily show up on tape. You don't really see him Dead getting jam. bodied, and you, you see him doing really well in consistent catch situations. So yeah. uh, that, that's why we're not. Uh, I, I don't want to speak to you guys, but that's why I am not too concerned about his size, even though he's smaller than me, which is scary. Um, well said. Yeah, well, well, well said. I, that, that, that's a, a great answer. Um, do, do we got do we got time for a couple more rises and fallers? Yeah, I, got, I, got, I got one more. Um, okay. It's uh, on the offensive tackle train. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about it. It's something I kind of I run into him a bit the last couple of It's Brady Christensen at a BYU. Brady Christensen broke every pro like combine number ever set by an offensive lineman. He's in the the 99 percentile of like offensive lineman tested athletically. He set this is compared to Tristan Wirfs. So he had a 48940 
34 inch vertical, 30 reps at 225, 446 shuttle, and a 10 4 broad jump, which is the best of all time uh, for an offensive tackle. And these numbers were astronomically better, like just the same or better than Tristan Morris' numbers a year ago. So this guy's an athletic freak. He's got good tape. So he's risen up my draft board where I think he's going to be a day two pick for sure. Well, fucking A. Like, like, <laughs> interesting. I, I, I haven't heard this story. I don't know anything about this kid. I don't even think I've scouted him. What, what did you say his name was? Brady Christensen. Like, broke A, like, just athletic freak. Like, 489 at, like, I think he's like 340 or something, 330, something like that. Well, but, like, that, that's one thing you saw last year, and that's the biggest. Uh, I would say offensive linemen, their combine is the biggest indicator of future performance. And it, that You've seen that statistically, uh, historically. Uh, throughout the years and you saw last year a really good example of it is Tristan Wirfs um if you're saying that he he's breaking Tristan Wirfs's number uh numbers I, I would be very comfortable taking him third round mid second round like Jesus Christ like yeah, that's he's just an athletic freak <laughs> how, how important is that to you BMAC uh, for offensive like, we, we've seen the past couple years the guys that are succeeding now are these athletic freaks like the your Mackay Beckton's and your Tristan Wirfs being amazing as rookies. You see, obviously, uh, Quinton Nelson, who, who was an athletic freak. He's now the best guard in football. Like, this is a position now where it's getting more and more freaky athletically, and, and you're seeing those guys succeed. So, uh, athleticism matters a lot for tackles more, more than it maybe used to. Facts, especially with the uh, uh, you know quarterbacks able to run into the pocket, they have to do a lot of different things. Um, okay, I'll I'll give two. Uh, one, I just I'm literally in the middle of watching his pro day, his second pro day, or sorry, I think he's only in one uh, as we speak. He's a guy you know we've had conversations about, but I, just, I wanted to touch on it one more time. Um, Mac Jones from Alabama. It, it, it's a so really a faller or a riser. Uh, as, as a riser. Um, interesting case. I, you know, we all, and, and I'm sure a lot, a lot of, you know, people who are interested, I'm sure everyone who listens to this show or anyone in general, uh, had Mac Jones in there, you know, 30 or above, you know, some people have in, the, in, the, in their 50 range, um, heading into the, the couple months, let's say, uh, January, but Mac Jones, he's not going to run out of the pocket. He's not going to make crazy off platform throws like Zach Wilson. But you you listen to what everyone has to say about him, the work ethic, the intelligence. And it's something that as a scout, I look for. Like I, I one of the stories they told in the call mine today was after one of the banquets in Alabama, Mac Jones got all a bunch of wide receivers and they took off their suits and they played football. Man, like that's the thing I, I'm looking for in a quarterback. And he really does remind me, at least if the stories are true of Tom Brady. Now it's, it's extremely difficult to replicate Tom Brady. That's a one in one human being to have the dedication and drive towards whatever craft you want to do. And that's the only way I think Mac Jones is going to be that, that person is. So I, I heard something today and, and Lewis Rett asked Daniel Jeremiah a question. And he said that some of the things that scouts are concerned about is you know, Mac Jones has worked that hard and he has been sharpening his tools and they're concerned that he's already at a ceiling. But here's the thing. It's like anything in the world. If you practice it enough, you're going to be better. There's no ceiling if you do it enough times. Practice makes perfect. Rule of 10,000 hours. Rule of 100,000 hours. 
that's the thing. There is no, the ceiling is infinite on a player that puts 22 hours a day into football. Okay. 18 hours a day into football. He's not sleeping. He's not sleeping some nights. I don't know. Well, Tom Brady, actually, the temperature in Tom Brady's bedroom is specific to help him sleep better and to make sure he gets a better sleep. The guy's a genius. But sorry, I'm going on a little rant right now. But here's the thing all this to say is, you know, I'm personally not big on Mac Jones, but if all these stories are true, fuck, I, it's, it's everything I look for in a prospect. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I look, I look for all this shit in the prospect guy who's going to put in the extra work guys going to do. He's a leader. You should see him with his teammates. He's yeah. joking around. He's a fucking leader, man. Like that guy's a, that, that guy is, can lead a, a group of men. Um, fucking interesting case. He, can, he's a can, really, yeah, can I cut it. in here? Get in <laughs> if, if he's such this hard worker, like why is he so unathletic? Why is he like, have clear amounts of fat on his body like why isn't he in the gym like why is tom brady why is tom brady unathletic well tom tom brady looks a lot better than he did coming out like he, he works hard now i'm sure he worked hard to college too but uh, i don't know like it, we're talking about this guy and praising him for his work ethic well i mean he's an athlete he does not look like an athlete like he, he doesn't look like he's working that hard in the gym, but um, everyone says he does. So I'll, I'll trust them on that. That's, that's the one kind of thing I have. Like if he's working so hard, why is, why is it he in like tip top shape? Yeah, that, that is true. I mean, I think that will change the NFL level yet more intense. I mean, Alabama is a pretty NFL level like system already. So we'll see if he can transform his body even more than the off season. But, I mean, like Willie said, he's super intelligent. He's going to be a guy that comes into the league. If he gets a starting position, he's going to command that locker right away. Like, that's the type of leader he is. And people have their respect of him as a football player and as a leader, a captain. He could be someone like a captain, like be a captain in his first year in the league because of those leadership intangibles. So, I mean, I'm not super high on Mac Jones as a prospect, but the other intangibles he brings, intelligence, he's good. He's very accurate. He can lead a locker room, and he's got a good work ethic. So those are things coaches look for, and I think that's why Kyle Shanahan's probably going to take him at pick three or considering taking him at pick three is because of those intangibles he presents that's not athletic intangibles. I'd, I'd rather have Mac Jones as my offensive coordinator in 10 years when he's out of the league than draft him now, kind of like Kellen Mond. Um, well, fucking how he was, he was the Dallas Cowboys um, – transition to offensive coordinator like we're saying all these things i'd rather have those qualities in an offensive quarter coordinator than my quarterback nowadays i want my quarterback to be an athlete that's just me well said like hey it's an interesting conversation where i i I can't i can't talk enough about it because like i'm very interested is he a truck or is he a trailer i think he can be a high-end trailer i don't think he can be a truck but you, lo- you love these truck and trailer analogies, eh? hundred <laughs> percent. I, I think they're, they're spot on. Well, if he's if he's going to succeed, he's probably going to have to be a Tom Brady kind of Peyton Manning mind, right? He's going to have if he's going to be an elite quarterback, he's going to have to have the mind of a Tom Brady or a Philip Rivers or a Peyton Manning, where he is the offense, like he, he does all these checks that other quarterbacks can't do at the line of scrimmage. He's going to have to win with his mind because he's, he's just not going to be able to 
make the elite level throws and um, stuff that you see from a, a Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or all these young quarterbacks coming up. That's one of the biggest things. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, boys, but um, <laughs> one of the biggest things is I'm interested in seeing if, if Shanahan, let's say they do draft him, if he's going to start first year. Because you, for yeah. example, you look at Tom Brady, you look at Aaron Rodgers, you look at a lot of successful quarterbacks in the NFL. They sat their first year. Tom Brady, I think, sat his first two years. Um, you know, he, you're so you're you're. I think you're spot on with your analysis. I think he has to have a gifted mind for football. He's got to know when to do all these checkdowns. Problem is, he's going to be coming in as a rookie, especially with Zoom uh, NFL offense. He, he's not going to be able to, to learn. Um, all that in a freaking off season. So I think you're right. I, I think send him his first year, let's say behind Garoppolo. And then like literally just sit him. Like don't even have him as your backup. Have him, have him as your third string guy. Um, Cause I, I know San Fran has a lot of quarterbacks in their system currently. Um, I don't, I, I think, I think you're right. I just like boys. I think if, have, no, go boys. Go. I, th- I think if Kyle Shannon's dropping Mac Jones, he's intending to start him. <laughs> day one if he's would want to sit someone who's gonna take a lance like mac jones is, is like he's pro ready he's not going to be an elite quarterback right away but he's pro ready because he can uh, people at alabama have such complex offenses and such high-end coaching that someone opposed to a zach wilson at byu or trey lance at north dakota state don't get like if you're a nick you get nick saban steve Sertaskin, yeah and brian debool was like coordinator like they get high-end coordinators so He's exposed to NFL caliber offenses and can read defense. Something like Tua coming to the offseason doesn't have a big arm, but he was able to still read defenses in his first year. And that's something Brian Flores praised him for to be able to read defenses, check at the line of scrimmage. So that's something that Mac Jones will be prepared for. So I think if Kyle Chan is taking Mac Jones, he's intending them to start in day one. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Boyas. Um, if you're going to. Yeah, like if you're not going to start him day one, take Trey Lance. Exactly. But they might see something I don't, so. Yeah, like I was looking at the Vegas odds. He's a massive, massive favorite to be the third pick, third overall pick. Like it's like, I think it's like minus, like he's like close to like, he's more of a favorite to be the third overall pick than Zach Wilson to be the number two pick. It just, it doesn't, okay, okay. If he's not third overall, how far do you guys see him dropping? Patriots will trade up and take him, like somewhere around like seven or eight. Cause say like you st- like you still think the Patriots want him that bad? I I think so. That's like basically what everyone's saying. I think if he falls to somewhere around like so, say the 49ers go Lance, and then Fields will go between either seven or nine. I think someone will trade up to seven to take Justin Fields, and if the Broncos are at nine, the Broncos trade up. I think Mac Jones would go in the top ten still because the Patriots will want to trade up. If they miss out on a Lance or a Fields not being able to trade up. I, I'm still the opinion where I think it's Fields at three. I'm actually so excited for pick three. I, I'm gonna be shy. I have no idea where it's going. Like I'm. I, I don't think the Patriots would. I, I I think that the Patriots would trade up for Trey Lance because like Cam Newton and Trey Lance are spinning images of one another. Um, in terms of like the way that they'd be able to run the offense and they're just built like that. Um, and he'd be a fucking phenomenal leader for for Trey. Oh man, seeing Mac Jones with with Bill Belichick. Yeah, I, I don't want that. that shit. Yeah, wow. man, like he's like getting like a little Tom Brady. Like, man, that would be fucking man. I I'd go. No, crazy. it would be terrible. I don't want it to happen. 
don't want you don't want the Patriots to do anything because you know that they're better than you in every way. Uh, we beat them twice. I mean, they're not better now, but if they get another all like all pro Hall of Fame quarterback, yes, I don't want Tom Brady ruining my life again. Uh, fuck, okay, okay. Let's, uh, let's move on. on to yeah, we've got a little off topic here. Yeah. Anyways, um, so that's our drafters and followers. Unless you guys anything else sad, but we're gonna move on to the NFL draft. A uh, year ago and revisit some surprises, some bust. I mean, the one consensus bust we probably don't really talk about is Isaiah Wilson. I know we talked before this. We all have him. Isaiah Wilson was a 29th overall pick. Didn't play a single, didn't start a single game with the Titans. Got traded to the Dolphins in the offseason. Got released right away because he refused to go to anything, go to workouts, anything like that. So, sucks to see a prospect's career go down so quickly. But, I mean, he's out of the league and hasn't played a snap yet uh, in his second year. What a, it's just such a shame. It's just such a shame. It is. Like you, like you heard my excitement um, live when I found out that the Dolphins traded for him. Because and I was fucking really, really excited because because kick and ball, like yeah. the kick, the kick and ball, like he's he's a big motherfucker. Um, really, really sucks. I hope like he's getting proper therapy. Yeah. Um, but hopefully he gets it figured out. You never want to see that, man. Just he's that, not. Yeah, he's, he's probably not. not. Yeah, he's like he has to be one of the dumbest people. Millions, millions, and he just couldn't. Yeah, the Dolphins offered him help. Like they said, like okay, let's 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 give you some therapy. We'll set you up with like our our psychiatrist, everything like that. And he refused. He had help. So the Dolphins tried to push him. They gave him like a couple days. They kept trying to push him to come to stuff, and he just he wasn't motivated. So if he couldn't get help getting paid millions of like millions of dollars to play the sport, he's not going to get help when he's out of the league, which sucks to see. You got, you got to hope he can because you never want to wish that on someone. But I mean, if he wouldn't take it out of the NFL level, I don't think he's going to take it now. Agreed. Boy, uh, BMAC, who, who's a surprise or bust from last year, 2020 NFL draft? Um, you want to hear a bust or a, um, let's go surprise? First. Let's go with steal. Uh, I'll go. I'll go deep seventh round. Uh, Cameron Curl, safety uh, of uh, the Washington football team. He's been a really good safety. A little underrated. Like you didn't hear about him too much. You heard more Jeremy Chin as kind of that like second, third, fourth guy in the defensive player year behind Chase Young. Um, but Cam Curl had a great rookie season. Pretty good safety. Um, maybe not out of this world, but with a seventh round pick, a solid starting safety is awesome. Yeah, totally agree. The value of the guy, he had a great rookie year, can play, and he had a seventh round pick, which is nothing on him. Like That's like basically an undrafted free agent kind of thing. Good for him. Uh, he can ball. Willie, how about you? Yeah. Uh, so you're starting pretty deep. I'm going to start towards the front end of, <laughs> of the job. Um, a real surprise for me, uh, was Justin Herbert. He, he's a guy who, coming into the draft process, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, and he proved me wrong, completely proved me wrong, completely proved a lot of a lot of us yeah. wrong. Um, excellent player, franchise quarterback. Can't ask anything more from the kid. Yeah, he, man, like a lot of people nagged his leadership qualities, ability to read defenses, and he put all the haters to down with the numbers he put up, broke every rookie QB record. Phenomenal player massive massive arm accuracy can move everything you want for in a franchise quarterback i'll go another steal uh this is a third rounder in julian blackman uh we got drafted by the colts out of utah phenomenal player 
put up great, great numbers. It was a keystone of that defense strict year, only going to get better. And a third round pick with a lot of safeties went before him. So he's a great player, can play in the slot, can play in the box, can play everywhere. So you get ball hawk, good player for the Colts. He's going to be a cornerstone of that defense for a long time. Yeah, I got a lot of safeties on my steal list, uh, which is kind of a trend. Um, so maybe maybe safety is a good position to take later rounds. I don't know. Um, but uh, love Julian Blackman. You see the, the Colts, Chris Powell is just such a good drafter. Seems year after year he, he gets these steals. Yes, <laughs> you, you love their – they're one of the teams where they're not necessarily the richest, but fuck, they're good at drafting, man. Like – he uh, probably, probably, if not the best steal of the draft, arguably. Yeah, he's in, in terms of like value. If you're getting a, a like a really like maybe a star player, yes. So, fucking a, um, B Mac, do you got one? Um, well, if if we'll, we'll stick on the little safety train I got going, I'll go Jeremy Chin uh, yeah. to the Panthers. Um, he, he scored two defensive touchdowns, uh, like what back-to-back plays was it it was was insane they were at least like in the same game like um but he saw he he was one of those uh safety linebacker kind of hybrids in college uh, played more safety uh in the nfl but he's one of those guys that you just want on the football field Uh, and he he was awesome he was maybe the runner-up uh or third fourth at least in defense player of the year voting i don't know i don't have it in front of me but he was definitely up there yeah well, well i'll just throw another name out there before we go we'll just go antoine winfield second round pick who played a key part in a super bowl defense the super bowl team so Antoine Winfield's one of my favorite prospects coming into the draft so i'm happy he proved me right and put up like all pro numbers this year yeah, little story. Last year, like literally around this time, four days before the draft, I shoot boys a taxi. I'm like, hey, g- give me two guys who you think are, are really solid. He goes, Jeremy Chen and <laughs> Jr. So, <laughs> excellent scout. You should listen to a fucking everything boy says, guys. Shabin Davis, man. He's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I- I- I'll stay on the fucking safety train because uh, <laughs> we're doing this. Um, I got Kyle Duger, safety uh, yeah. for uh, New England Patriots. Um, you know, it, you know if, if Bill's selecting uh, a safety in the second round, the kid's probably going to be able to ball. And this guy's an absolute beast. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's going to be able to uh, learn under some of the best in uh, the, McCur- the McCurdy brothers uh, over there. So uh, phenomenal safety, and I'm excited to see his, uh, his career in the NFL. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with uh, this. This will be my last um, steal that I'll give. But on the on the Patriots train again, Lawenu uh, guard yeah. in the sixth round. Like you wow. get a really really good starting guard in the sixth round. That's one of the best picks in the entire draft. Yeah, I totally agree. He's a very very good guard again in the sixth round when people that went ahead of him in the first and second round. He's probably one of the best guards in the draft. I think he was an all-rookie. Uh, I'll, I'll put up a, a bust. Hold on, hold on. I, I, I'm going to pause you right there because you just said something very interesting. Um, and, and it's a conversation that, that we've had before. And the New England Patriots, you have certain coaches that are able to find talent and really they, – They've been them. fucking terrible at drafting. Yeah, they're not good at drafting this now. year. Bell at offensive lineman is – Fair, fun. yeah. 
incredible. You, do you guys remember the story last year during the NFL combine? He was uh, scouting this uh, freaking offensive lineman um, who actually ended up going undrafted. Do you guys remember that story? Yeah. He like, whose pro day did he like skip? Oh, it was, he, he skipped the call. It was a defensive end. He's actually on the dolphins. Now he's the guy from, he was middle, I forgot his name, but he's, um, went to middle Tennessee. He skipped the combine, worked out in the pouring rain with this guy who didn't get invited. Um, didn't take him and the dolphins actually signed him. So that's a, (laughs) (laughs) didn't even take him. (laughs) Brilliant. Out of (laughs) boy, Bill. Okay. He's a good boy. As I cut you off. Uh, I had a, I had a, I, I bust. Um, I'm, I hate to see it. I hope he proves me wrong this year, but it's no Igbenogany, a Dolphins draft pick at 30. Pick I did not like at all at the draft. They didn't need corner after signing Byron Jones. He's a slot corner. He just he didn't play at all. Uh, good special teamer, but that's not something you want the 30th pick where people like DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor are on the board. We can prove your running back room. He's very athletic, very new the position. I think he'll be fine in the future, but very disappointing rookie season. He went in there for one game. He got torched by Stefan Diggs by 150 yards. So something I'm disappointed in. Didn't like to pick at the time, but hopefully he proves me wrong. Yeah, he's, he's one of those guys where like we project. just have to be patient with because we knew going into the draft that he was going to be a bit of a project and going yeah. into the season that he was going to be a project. Um, so you have to give patience Time, sure. with those with those kind of guys, but uh, obviously not an ideal rookie season for him. Yeah, it just the I like him like as a project player. Just it didn't make sense when you you're paying Xavier Howard and Byron Jones so much money uh, to take a slot corner and your last third overall last first round pick when you and the the funny story is uh, they at twenty four that when the Packers traded them up they had DeAndre Swift written on their card and they're about to send it in and then they traded down with the Packers and they, DeAndre Swift was on the board at thirty and didn't take him so it's something that super confusing that they actually had DeAndre Swift on their card at pick twenty five or whatever it was. That's I never heard that before. That's yeah. really weird. It's very weird. So I was like, well, what what happened during that, those five picks that you're like, oh, I like Igbenogany better at this pick. It, it was it was pretty stunning. That's a cool story. Um, okay, I, I I got a bust, and I got a I got a, a franchise, and it really needs to figure it out. Um, that's Jordan okay. Brooks, twenty seven, uh, two thousand twenty NFL draft. Um, so you look at the Seattle Seahawks. I'm just going to run down their list pretty quick. 2022, they have no no first-round pick. 2021, they have no first-round pick. 2020, they drafted Jordan Bucks. 2019, they drafted LJ Collier, who's not even starting for them. How about 2018? 2018, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. Not starting for them either. 2017, they had no pick. 2016, they have Jermaine Iafetti, who's not starting for them. 2015, they had no pick. 2014, they had no pick. And you, if you, I, I don't remember exactly what draft it's in, but they traded like t- back into early second round. They got like Malik McDowell, who never played a game. Yeah, he got in the, he got in like an ATV accident. Yeah, so I... they have been. You're seeing the consequences. They've been terrible at drafting the past like decade after being a really good drafting team the decade yeah. The decade prior. Yeah, huh. yeah. Jordan Brooks, I didn't like the pick when they picked him. Um, Nigel, who's actually a Seahawks hated the pick when they picked him. He's like, who the heck is this guy? Like, why are we take so? Um, but yeah, terrible to take. They don't have a future. They went all in for Jamal Adams and just ha- they haven't had a good track record except for DK in the second round. You know what I don't understand, and and I saw when I mean, you saw this with uh, 
for, um, for talk 2020. So those are two players in particular last year. I think Damon Arnett yeah. and Jordan Brooks were two guys who people had them slotted in the fifties, uh, middle second round to early third round where they drafted. And I didn't understand it then. And I don't understand it now. That's a position where, man, you can wait. It's not like a quarterback where a guy might be ranked 30th, but gets drafted in the mm-hmm. top 10, like fucking Mac Jones. Jones exactly. It's fucking linebacker. There's like, so many people like him you can get later in the draft if, if he goes before your pick. This doesn't make any sense to me. And it's, it's an example when you overthink your pick. And, and now that we're on the same subject, David Arnett's another one of my busts. Same here. Um, he's a guy who I think can, can still he – he got hurt last year. Um, but, bro, it, it's like, once again, you're just trying to overthink it. You know, you're trying to – out outsmart everyone when the right guy that will actually on the table still yeah like like there's a lot of smart smart people that cover the nfl and the draft and if no one has this guy in their top 50 and you want to take them uh, in the top 20 picks go, go take another look like see see what everyone else is seeing and, and figure it out because um like unless it's quarterback they're probably not going to go and you could just trade back and and, and that's the thing and, and that's where i think you're right bmac in the sense of sure like if you think that's your guy and, and you want to take him at 15 here's my thing though you can still trade back collect value and still get your guy yeah you don't have to select him at 15th overall it doesn't make sense you just trade back just trade back it, it, it's a bit narcissistic thinking you're that much smarter everyone all these other smart smart people which is kind of stupid but gms can be a lot of them would probably be like type a personalities where they're in control they they want their guy and they go get them and yeah just uh, doesn't work out a lot and it's it's gonna happen this year too in the first round there's gonna be three like multiple picks that are way down our boards and people are like why are they taking this early it just it happens every draft um, like Celine Farrell, another Raiders pick, when they took him at three when he was like top 20, top 25 on a lot of people's boards going those late teens. Um, I'll, I'll left off another steal I like. I like, I really, really like Patrick Queen, your, your Ravens, BMAC. I think Patrick Queen's a phenomenal player. Got him at 28, I believe it was. He's a guy that he's my number one rated linebacker in that class, or number two, I forget my rankings, but very, very good linebacker in coverage, good in the run game. He had a pretty good rookie year, so I'm excited to see what he can do in that defense. Yeah, like he had a good rookie year. He could have hoped uh, for a bit more, maybe, but um, there's a lot of linebackers that don't necessarily um, succeed that much in their first year. So seeing him uh, have the level of success that he did uh, is very promising for the future. Yeah. Um, and he was one of those guys where on draft night, everyone knew it was a steal. So, yeah. and Oh, what happens? He's a steal. So <laughs> the, the Seahawks drafted Jordan Brooks ahead, Brooks ahead of him. Yep. And the Packers drafted Jordan Love ahead of him when they had a I, big need at linebacker. <laughs> don't get me started. B Mark, I, I really, really, I'm just thinking right now. I like what you said. Like, if everyone in the NFL doesn't have your guy in the top 15, and like they have him near like fifty to sixty range. Why are you taking him in the top fifteen? Like, sorry, I don't want to go back on that, but that's just a yeah, hyper intelligent idea. Um, Do you guys have any other surprises or busts before we move well, on to draft doc? 
I'll I'll go one bust here. Uh, not necessarily a bust because I don't think he's a bust, but he definitely wasn't the right pick uh, at the position. That's uh, Jalen Rieger uh, yeah. for Philly. The Vikings, like I don't know if you've seen the clip, but the Vikings yeah. literally laughed. Running the, they were laughing at the Eagles they when Rieger? they didn't take Justin <laughs> Jefferson. They're like, "Oh my god, we got to get this pickup." Run it. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense on draft night why they took Rieger a guy like Justin Jefferson and uh, obviously didn't really work out for them. Maybe Rieger will succeed uh, in the future. Um, I still have hopes for him, but uh, as of right now, a bit of a bust. It's going to be hard for people to forget that story too. He's always going to live in Jefferson's shadow. Yeah, (laughs) Kind of similar. um, Henry Ruggs I have is a bit of a bust too. He's obviously had a decent rookie season and probably going to be decent in the NFL. He's just so fast. But CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy were on the board. Almost everyone had them above Henry Ruggs. And then the Raiders, again, (laughs) the Raiders and Mike Mayock keeps coming up here in in the bus talk. But Mike Mayock is not a good They took guys that were lower rated down people's board higher and it, it just didn't work out i got a I, I got two well okay first one is just a genuine question um how's aj Esp- espinoza playing a- anyone anyone heard about that guy he he didn't play he didn't play uh my brother's fans of bills fans so he didn't play a lot um i think he like he's rotational got like two or three sacks he didn't play terrible but i mean he's a rotational guy didn't play any meaningful snaps He's a guy who there's a lot of debate last year around that kid. Um, it's a good, it's a good value at that pick. Like, if you're picking someone late second round, like at his skill level, I think it's fine. Even if he doesn't work out, it's like it's his late second round pick. You take a shot on a guy who had high potential. Yeah, you, you you can't really call anyone a bust or anything if they're yeah. taken late second round. Uh, yeah. A lot of those picks don't really uh, work out in the first place. So a couple sacks, a promising player, not a bad pick. If you can get like a starty, starter-worthy player or someone who's just going to play decent number of snaps in the season, I think that's fine late second round. I uh, I, I got one more steal, um, and that is Jalen Hurts. Oh, uh, drafted well, like you guys just said. So definitely a steal. Yeah, yeah, fifty-three. Yeah, late late second round, they ended up drafting a QB who's now their starter. Trim. He shows significant promise, and if he was a backup, he'd be the best backup in the NFL. So that's pretty solid for uh, for the spot that they drafted yeah. him. In, you know, no risk. Yeah, so, like today, if you were going to trade him, I would think you'd probably get a first round pick, late first round pick, maybe. Yep. Yeah, someone take a shot of him. I mean, yeah, if, exactly. If like he doesn't work, it's something like Kellen Mond and like Davis Mills. Be like this year, they're going to take second, third round. If it works out, great. You got a starter. If not, it's a second, third round pick. You'll draft someone in the future in the first round. Kyle Trask. No. Fuck <laughs> Kyle Trask. <laughs> He's also one of my followers on my uh, my board. I didn't talk about too. But uh, do you guys have any more sleepers or surprises before we move on to our last draft talk of the Colossus recruits for the year? Not, not really. The book's still not out on a lot of these guys. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, so, it's, so it's hard to call guys bust so early in their careers. Yeah, but it's just... Anymore. Yeah, all right. So we're going to finish up our last two position groups of our analysis on 
college prospects. We have the safety and defensive lineman position group. Uh, we'll start with safeties, uh, like usual, just listen for top fives and kind of discuss um, players as they come up. Uh, number one, I have Javon Holland. Number two, I have Trayvon Morig. Three, I have Richie Grant. Number four, this guy's someone that's came off my job boards, Divine Dabalo. Number five, I have Hamza. Don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's not going to try. And Andre Sisko, who retired from my fifth spot. Um, do we have Elijah Molden as a slot corner or safety? I have him in this corner. Okay. I think he'll probably play safety, so I have him in my top five. Okay. But, uh, a lot of these a lot of these guys are safeties are kind of hybrids anyway, so yeah. he'll probably play a little bit of slot so, corner in the NFL everywhere. too. So, uh, Why don't you go now, Willie? What are your top five? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my top five is Javon Holland, Trevon Morig, uh, Richie Grant, Harris Ford, and Andre Sisko. So, nice. what and uh, BMAQ? I have Trayvon Mulrig, uh, clear cut number one safety. Uh, then I have Elijah Molden. Then I have your guys' top guy in Javon Holland. Uh, then I go Jamar Johnson, Indiana. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of got a tie for fifth with Darius Washington and Andre Sisco. Yeah, man, Jamar Johnson's going to be a beast. He's a, I didn't have him in my top five. He's like kind of my fifth, sixth spot, but he is very, very good. He could be a massive steal in like the second or third round. He's a bad tackler, though. I'm yeah. worried. That's like, yeah. he's great in coverage. I'm, so he's kind of a bit of a boomer. He'd be like us. a free safety. Like, Meek Fitzpatrick was a really bad tackler coming out of the draft. But like, if he plays free safety and is like kind of like a guy overhanging more of a ball hawk, like, you don't have to be an amazing tackler if you're kind of playing deep field and boring coverage who do we want to talk about first we can, we can go the hall and more debate i mean that's we've both have me and willie have them at one you have them at three so willie why don't you start us off uh, with javon holland versus more yeah he, he he's the guy that we just talked about uh we just went through our, our surprises from 2020 and uh, he's a guy who I think, you know, is someone we can be talking as a surprise in 2022. He's, he's just a guy who uh, I think has really good answers. He was you know, a phenomenal player, athletic. Um, and I, I think put him in the right system. I, I think he could be a serious bad dude in the NFL. He's a Canadian too. Is he really? I got to move him up my draft board then. Yeah, he was born in he he like he was born in Canada. I think it was like Vancouver or something like that. Then moved to the states was like four or five years old. But his Canadian awesome. citizenship. Go Canada, go! But yeah, yeah, I mean, like now my number one safety. <laughs> uh, I, of course, I'm just joking. But. I mean, yeah, with Hall and like I said, he's he sat out this year. He didn't play, but his tape in 2019 was very very good. He can play slot corner. He can play deep path free safety. Guy that can do it all. Very, very good instincts. Very good ball hawks. Very good reading the quarterback's eyes when you watch his tape. So I like Trayvon Moore too. I think he's be a phenomenal safety. I just like Javon Holland because he can play all over the place and just he's a he's a gamer. Yeah, like the ball production's definitely there. Um, a lot of pass breakups. A lot of picks. Uh, it's going to be a lot around the ball, which is what you like to see uh, in a safety. I just think Morig does more for your team. I think he can play single high. Yeah. I think he can play kind of more in the box as well. Uh, he has ball production. Uh, 
he led all FBS safeties in, in pass breakups in the last two seasons. So he's also pretty big. Like he's six foot two, 202. Uh, so I love Morig uh, above uh, Holland, but they're, they're both going to be really good players, I think. Yeah. I mean, Morig's more of a traditional, like, kind of safety, strong safety they can play. Holland's a bit smaller. He might be shifted to more slot corner in his rookie year, depending on who drafts him. But we'll get into a guy I, he doesn't have on his board. This, uh, I'll kind of talk about him. It's Divine Dabalu out of Virginia Tech, guy who I honestly did not know about two weeks ago. And one of my friends who's a Lions fan is like, check this guy out. This guy, this guy's a baller. So I looked at his tape, just a freak athlete, like one of the best tackler, best tackler, in my opinion, out of the safety position. Hits hard, just super fast, field to field. So he's a guy, if you guys haven't watched, I'd take a look. He's super athletic. He's, he's fun to watch. He's like the biggest safety in this draft. Yeah. It's like he, he could play linebacker. Yeah, he's big. He, he hits hard. Depending on what team drafts him, he, he could be a linebacker. He's two hundred twenty pounds. Like, yeah, it's the same size as JOK, pretty much. Yeah, um, but but those guys, you're seeing a lot of those guys succeed in the NFL. Those kind of hybrids. So he could be a steal in the draft. He's not going to go that early. So. Yeah, probably go third round. I think like late third. Honestly. Yeah. Um, so he could be a, one of those safeties we're talking about. Like a bunch of safeties have been steals in the drafts. I can really see him being one of those guys, even though I don't have him in my top five. Willie, you a Cisco fan? I think he's an amazing ball hawk. Do you think he's going to be a good safety in the league? Or like, I think he's a very good free safety. I don't know his talent. He's not a great talent, but curious to hear your thoughts on Cisco. Yeah, it, again, like safety is one of those positions where I think he could be a solid starter in the NFL. And like, okay, imagine that like you're rating him on Madden. I, I think he can be like a an 80 overall, like a solid like free safety starter. Um, but because he's a safety, you're probably gonna see him a little bit later in the draft. Yeah. Uh, go where it's like late second, uh, third. third. And that that's just the thing with safeties, man. Like there's safeties are, are, nope. are well, I, I think it's a conversation where we, so I was talking to my buddy yesterday about the UFC and about okay, so he said that welter rates are probably the best division in all of UFC because um, the thing is most human beings walk around at around like 170, 180. And if kind of, if you look at the NFL where most, where the safeties are like around 180 pounds, whereas if you look like a, at a lineman or an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, there's only so many humans that are fucking 270 pounds. So you kind of have to just, you know, choose whoever. So safety is one of those positions. I don't know why I, I did an analysis on it earlier but you can find significant talent anywhere on the board almost. It's weird. Yeah, uh, yeah Cisco is like, he tore his ACL halfway through 2020. So uh, the injury is factored in when we're uh, putting a little lower on boards. But he, he's one of those guys, like he makes some incredible plays on tape. Yeah. He flies all over the field. Um, but, but the injury is a bit of a concern. So uh, he, he probably fell a little bit on my board because of that. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys want to get into the defensive tackle position or anything else you want to talk about safeties? No, I'm down. I'm down defensive tackle. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll start it off for the, my top five. So number one, I have Christian Barrymore. Number two, I have Levy Onzerike. I don't, that's definitely how you pronounce it. Um, number three, I have Alan McNeil. Number four, I have Jalen Tyman. And number five, Jay Tufele, uh, DT at the USC. Uh, William Bimac, what are your top fives? Uh, I can go. So I have Christian Barmore, number one. Uh, Levy. Yeah, that guy. Levy. Uh, <laughs> Davion Nixon, number three. Milton Williams, number four. And Marvin Wilson, number five. Um, 
BMAC, you, you go though and get in some, some talks. Christian Barmore, uh, far and away, number yeah. one. Far, far and away. Um, Aline McNeil, number two. Levi Ouzouari, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> number three. Uh, Davia Nixon, number four. Uh, and then Milton Williams, number five. Yeah. Yeah, Milton Williams is the guy that I shot on my board. I, I didn't include him in DT. I don't know why I forgot him there. I kind of just kind of think of him as kind of a hybrid edge DT. But yeah, he's someone I told Willie to watch. Very, very, very good. Very talented. So I'm curious where he's going to go. I think he's going to make a big impact in the NFL at year one. But it's curious. Like, sorry, I'm just going to bring it back to that conversation. Actually, can I? I might, I might move Milton Williams to four. Yeah, I'm gonna move. I forgot David Nixon, Nixon too. To number five. I, I'm gonna put David Nixon number five. I had him at six. Um, I'm gonna take two Philly off and put Nixon at five. That's my bad. The difference between from the second and fifth defensive tackle on not my much. is not much. Not much at all. So these guys are probably all gonna be more run stuffers uh, than pass rushers at the yeah. NFL level. I think the only one that preside provides a good pass rush ability is Barmore. He did it in the, the playoffs last year, the the uh, college playoffs. Um, but I, everyone else thinks just a rotational, like, run stuffer. But, yeah, like Willie said, that from two to five, two to seven, it's so similar that once Barmore is off the board, I wouldn't expect a DT going too high in the second round, probably later second round. That's when the dominoes will start falling in that position. It's one of the positions where the more athletically gifted you are, the better NFL player you're going to be. Um, opinions on that thought? Yeah, we talked about that with offensive linemen earlier. Just the trenches, athleticism. Uh, when you look at, in terms of most positions, combine numbers. Uh, combine numbers for offensive, defensive linemen, they're the biggest translator to the NFL, um, where other positions are more tape-based or character. Uh, offensive and defensive linemen, if they're fucking athletic, they're going to succeed most of the time. You can teach them. Uh, the things they need to know once they get to the NFL. Exactly. Athleticism speaks to the trenches. You need to be strong the first start, so that's the first bit. And then technique is something you can teach. It's hard to teach your ability to throw deep, your ability to read it. It's hard to do that stuff, like different intangibles of the receiver, running back position, how to see a field. But you can teach technique. You can teach how to use different moves, use different spin moves, use different hand positions to leverage the offensive and defensive linemen. So that the, the trenches somewhere you have to be strong, you have to have a good build. And then if you had a good coach, you can just teach some different techniques because it's not like you have to have a certain ability. Couldn't agree more. I think it's very, very, very well said. Um is, is there any other defensive tackles we want to have con- we want to talk about? I think that's good for me. I have a two-minute warning planned if uh unless you guys have anything else you want to say about the position. Nope. Too much. So. All right. Your audio is still a little bit fucked up, but it's all good because we it's love a, you. It's it's a <laughs> pandemic, man. It's the do? pandemic. Blame it on Doug Ford. It's Doug Ford's fault. <laughs> um. Okay. What's the two minute warning? Uh. So I'll wait to be back. His mic figured out. Well, I'll I'll say it off first. So it's gonna be a head to head between you and BMAP. We'll keep the NFL draft theme. Uh. So in 2020, last year's draft, there's six offensive tackles taken in the first round. So basically, you're gonna do Liam, Willie. You'll start with one and be back to the other one. Uh, if you both get all six, I have a tiebreaker question. But if you can't get one within like ten seconds, and the other person steals it, you're out, and the other person wins. So Willie, you start. 
No, name the first or whoever often talk you want to say that's taking the first round last year. Yeah, Thomas Georgia goes to New York Giants at number four. Okay. Are we going in order? You don't or... have to go in order, just the six that won in the first round. Doesn't matter what order. Mackay Beckton, New York Jets. Jedrick Willis Jr. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Tristan Wirfs, uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got two left. So now now it gets fucking hard. I know, I know one. I'm hoping you don't say him. <laughs> okay, give, give, give me a timer. Give, give, uh, I'll give you 20, 20 seconds. <laughs> if you don't get it, I'm going to laugh. Oh, no, never mind. I know both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Willie, if he doesn't get it, he's going down. Fuck, man. I really got to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, give you 10 seconds. Can I give you a hint? We, we talked about them. <laughs> they, they've both bit been at the on the Dolphins at some point in their careers. Oh, oh, fucking oh, uh, Jackson, uh, Jackson. Um, okay, so Lisky, yeah, well, 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 um, right. and then our boy Isaiah Isaiah Wilson. <laughs> yeah, all right. So you both got it. So this would be a speed question, the tiebreaker. Whoever says it first uh, wins. Uh, wait till I finish the question. You can answer. Who was the first pick of the second round in the 2020 NFL draft? Um, Michael Pittman. Nope. Uh, the... T. Higgins? Yeah. Oh. gets the dub. <laughs> Fucking crazy. That's bullshit. He got two guesses. I didn't get one. <laughs> I mean, he did give you a hint to the last one. So you're grateful to be in the tiebreaker. <laughs> Were you really going to get Austin Jackson without me? Uh, no I chance. for sure going to say Isaiah Wilson, especially when we mentioned him. I no chance I would have got Isaiah Wilson, man. I got it. Because you it. forget he's a first round <laughs> player because he's shit. <laughs> All right, uh, that wraps up our episode today. Uh, it's draft week, so we have one more special episode coming out. Probably come out Thursday morning. We'll get into it when we talk about the episode. But thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for Hickory to Hickory Decks, Dundas, Milton, and Burlington for sponsoring our podcast. Um, hey, boy, I, I, I want to just tell the audience. I went to a party at Boyle's <laughs> house one time, and all the women over there were fonding pre, pre over pandemic. the deck. Victory, victory decks. I tell you, the best decks in all of Dundas. You'll find excellent work. Yeah, pre-pandemic, we we ain't breaking rules out out here at Call Us Recruits. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, it's draft week. We're excited, like you are. So we'll we'll see you next time. Take it easy, everyone. Yeah.